We cry out to our Father for mercy for our great nation. Forgive this nation, Lord, and have mercy on us. I cry out, Lord, and ask you to mute the voices of the evil and the wicked, Lord, of the deceivers and of those who are deceived. May our nation continue to stand in your glory and in your favor until the catching away of your church. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Welcome to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Halgrimson. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, if you haven't been to our website yet, please check out our website, truepatriotministries.org. And you can contact us via email at reachout, R-E-A-C-H-O-U-T, at truepatriotministries.org. And presently, you can find us on the web, and you can find us on Parlor. And until uh, some of the social media sites calm down a little bit, that's where we're at. So truly, the most information you can get and the most current information you can get for us will be on our website. And please check it out. There's several pages, lots of information there for you. And uh, I think you'll truly enjoy it. Now, we just finished up the series Becoming. And if you did not get that series, I, I would suggest going back and listening to it. It is built on the fundamentals of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. And so those are the basics, the foundational basics that you want to pick up and learn. Today, we're going to start, this is the prelude to a new series on fear and hate. And I think you're really going to enjoy this. It's, it's fitting for the current time. And we'll explore it and we'll see what it looks like in different avenues. And we'll also uh, work around to where we understand how fear really drives hatred and what we can do about that. And so uh, I look forward to just getting through this series. Like I said, there's a lot of information just in the New Testament. I haven't even scoped out the Old Testament as of yet for this. And so in the New Testament alone, and I'll post the vocabulary to the website on the blog page and just look for fear and hate. Um, number one, the prelude, and that's the vocabulary will be there, but for fear, let me see, let me get down to my notes here. In so in the Strong's Concordance, I found eight variations of the word fear in the Greek and four variations of the word hate in the Greek. And so it's easy to see why reading the Bible can be a bit challenging at times. And it also shows that no matter which version you're using, you still should cross-check and verify. Uh, words, especially if you run into something that you're you're struggling to understand or to comprehend what its what its point is, um, use a digital Bible or if you've got physical Bibles and you've several different versions, go through them and and verify the verses against one another and get a true a true context. And if you have a Strong's Concordance or a Young's Concordance, a good concordance is nice to have. You can go in and see what the actual Greek said and and kind of expand on the, the verbiage. Um, as you can tell, with eight variations of the word fear, in the English, it, it doesn't do it justice. And so we may be using the word fear in places where we 
might be needing to use uh, detest or um, reverence or you know something like that and and so we'll we'll go through that as we go one of the big things that I want to cover today and like I said this is a prelude so this is going to be shorter than most today I want to cover some verses uh, I have seen out there as of late a lot of people using the Word of God and preaching things that I do not believe the Word of God says simply by taking that out of context and then preaching on it. And I could isolate any half verse or any verse or any two or three verses and make them say what I want them to say. But what's important is that when you, when you do that, you back it up with other verses that either agree with it or prove its point. And so that's kind of what I want to cover today. One of the big ones I've seen people use lately is in Luke chapter 14, verses 26, 27, and then 33. And it's Jesus speaking. And he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So likewise, any of you who does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is a big one. And a lot of people, when they hear this preached, a lot of people get turned off. When I first read this, um, and it wasn't necessarily the hate part that, that kind of startled me and turned me off. I'll be honest with you. Uh, verses 27 and 33 are what caught me and made me wonder, well, do I really want to be a disciple of God you know, or a disciple of Christ? And, and uh, Because it says, whoever does not bury his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And likewise, if any of you does not forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Well, just because I had questions about that, it, what it meant was that I was not ready for this yet. I, Like I said, you go back to the foundational basics. If you don't have a foundation built, you come into this and you don't understand the context of this. So when you look at this, we already know that, that God said, you know, seek First, my kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. Well, a lot of people like to, a lot of preachers will get behind a pulpit and tell you the prosperity gospel is bunk and, you know, uh, don't listen to somebody who preaches prosperity. It's, it's a bunch of crap. It's baloney. Well, they're wrong. I do not understand why they say it, um, and, and I really don't want to speculate, but I will say they're wrong. First of all, there is no prosperity gospel in the Bible. So even by just calling it a prosperity uh, gospel, what they're doing is they're taking a section of Scripture or a topic in Scripture, and they're putting it under the title of a prosperity gospel, and they're saying, we're not touching this because we don't believe in it. And... and Maybe they've never experienced it. I don't know. But for some reason, they, they just, they want to group it, stereotype it as this, okay, and, and throw it out. Well, God doesn't want you 
adding to or taking away from the Word of God. This is the Holy Ghost-inspired Word of God, and we should be working to understand it and not just going, well, I don't like that part, so I'm going to throw it away. It's okay to take that part and put it in a cubbyhole for a later date. That's smart, because if you're not prepared for it yet, if you're not grown enough and, and understand enough of the Word of God, it's good to put that away until you do, because then it's going to fall into place and you're going to be enlightened. You're going to receive revelation and you're going to understand some things that you didn't understand before. So going back to these verses, so for me, you know, this whole thing, forsake all that he has, you know, if, he, if you don't forsake everything, you can't be my disciple. Well, without having the foundational basics, this verse here disturbed me. And it bothered me not well. You know, I'll just be somebody who uh, loves Jesus and, and, you know, I just won't worry about the discipleship part because the discipleship part sounds really hard. And that's where I was at the time. Well, I look back at it now and I look and I see, well, without really realizing it, I'm grown into discipleship because the true trueness of this is is. Jesus is saying, look, if you, if you can't put me first, then you can't put God first. And if you can't put God first, then He can't get to you everything that He has for you. He's not saying He doesn't want you to have it. He's saying, don't get it for yourself. Focus on me and let me get it for you. Okay, let me use an analogy. We're in the month of December. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. Christmas is right around the corner. How many times as parents have we said to our kids, don't go buying anything. Christmas is coming up. And, and we don't want you to spoil Christmas because, you know, we have some things for you. Well, if they don't put our word first and they go out and they buy things, well, they can very well spoil Christmas because they take that opportunity away from us. It's the same with, with Father God. It's the same with Jesus. Okay, let's not spoil their opportunity to bless us. And, and that's really what I want you to get about discipleship. If you put your trust in God, if you love Him, if you just love on Jesus, and, and put Him first, which is really not as hard as it seems, but you put Him first, then these things are going to be added to you. These things aren't going to be taken away from you and kept away from you. It's like the rich young ruler. If he had truly done what Jesus told him to do, he would have been sowing a massive seed. And, and the Word of God says seed time and harvest will not die. It's not going to stop. It won't cease. And so he would have received a harvest off of that seed he sowed. And so it's important. Don't get caught up in one verse. We want to cross-reference some verses. Okay, so here we've, we've got what seems to be Jesus saying to the disciples, Look, <laughs> if you come to me and you can't hate your father and you can't hate your mother or your wife or your children or your brother or your sisters, if you can't hate yourself, you can't be my disciple. Well, the word hate here is uh, another word you can use would be detest. So anybody who comes to me, if you don't detest your father, 
detest your mother, detest your wife, your children, your brother, your sisters, and detest your own life, you can't be my disciple. Well, what he's saying is in comparison to the life that he can give you, in comparison, put it in perspective, this is Jesus talking about what you can receive from God through Jesus is so much better than what you can do for you yourself or what anybody else can do for you. Nobody can do for you what God does. Only God can. And so detest this um, worldly life that you can get for yourself and seek after that which God can give you which not only stores up treasures in heaven, but it also it gives you good things here on earth to enjoy. He's, he's not a, a cross father who, you know, he's going to put you in time out and you don't get anything till you get to heaven. No, he didn't put you on the earth to suffer. He put you on the earth to be blessed, to have dominion, glory to God, to replenish this world. And so there are things that we're supposed to be doing here, and that's a whole other subject, but I just want you to know, he's a good God. He is a father to us. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, you've been adopted. You are a full son, full daughter, and we need to grow into those shoes. Um, and we need to grow into that love. That's a lot of love. So... That's what this verse is saying. This verse is not literally saying, like some people will preach, um, I preach hate. No, 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 no. You don't preach hate. This is just misunderstood and, and mistaught. And so we need to be aware of that. So let's look at the next one. I want to look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. And it, it reads, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life remaining in him. By this we know the love of God, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, but closes his heart of compassion from him, how can the love of God remain in him? My little children, let us not love in word and speech, but in action and in truth. Glory to God. Now, this is a picture. Let's walk through this. This is a picture of hate. What he's saying here, first of all, if you hate your brother, you're as good as a murderer. One sin is just as detestable as the next. There's no room for hate in life. Um, there's no hate in God. Uh, and, and so we need to make sure we're, we're not allowing hate to get in there and build. Now, when he says that uh, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, so what he's talking about here is if I have abundance and I've got more clothes than I need, I've got more shoes than I need, you know, whatever, I've got too many cars, Whatever it is that I have that's abundantly overflowing, which I should have, okay? And I see a brother in need. 
Maybe their car broke down. Maybe they had an accident and their car is destroyed. And I've got three cars and I can only drive one at a time and there's nobody but me, you know? Um, and, and I walk by that person and I know, say it's my neighbor and I, that I go to church with him. And I know that without that vehicle, he can't get back to forth to work and he can't provide for his wife and his kids. And instead of stepping out in love and I say to him, I have a vehicle that you can use. Or I would like to sew this vehicle into your life and I just sign it over to him. And that's, that's even better. And now he can continue providing for his, his family, right? And I have the means to do it, but instead I say, hey, I'm sorry to hear about your car, man. That's terrible. That's really bad. I'm sorry to hear that your, you know, your insurance was canceled and you're struggling and, and now you don't have a car. Man, that's tough. And I turn around and walk away. I'm not a brother to him. I'm not walking in love. What I'm doing is saying to him that in word and in speech, I care. But in action and truth, I do not. And so it's important to, to pay attention to that. And I know I've done it, not on the scale that I was talking about, but I'm, I know that I have been that person at times where without realizing it, um, I allowed somebody to walk away without being able to give of what I had. And then later on, it hit me that that's what I did. And it bothered me. And, and so that's something that if we're attuned to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can speak up in us and, and remind us, hey, you've got a seed to sow right here. Don't waste it. And so it's a, really, it's a great thing. We want to be in action and in truth. We don't want to be just word and speech. Um, the, you know, the Word of God says that faith without action is dead. And so we want to have action with our faith. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Now it says here, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the un on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, be perfect, even as your Father who, in, who is in heaven is perfect. There's a lot of meat to this one. Um, don't hate your enemy. Jesus is saying right here, love your enemies. When they're cursing you, bless them. When they're hating on you, do good to them. Okay? When they're using you spitefully and they're persecuting you, pray over them. Pray for them. Not necessarily over them. Pray for them. And, and, and why do we want to do this? Because it says that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. 
because it glorifies God. It brings honor to God when we do these things. And it pleases Him. Because the sun rises and sets. The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. On the good and the evil. It it doesn't discriminate. It falls on all of us. Which is a beautiful thing because then we all have the same opportunity. We can all take advantage of it. But not all do. And that's why we should be praying over them. That's why we should be blessing them. And, you know, if, if you're only saying hi to people that you know and that you care about, that's not very good. You should be saying hi to strangers. You should be saying hi to uh, whoever it is. If you're meeting a homeless person, you know, and, and they're not like for me, it's I don't I don't care for homeless people that get up in my face and, and are obnoxious and cussing and swearing. And I just don't deem that very respectful. But that's not all of them. That's only the occasional. Most of them are pretty, pretty good people. Um, and they're either down and out or they just feel like this is their lot in life and that's where they deserve to be. So, you know, we need to be saying hi to strangers. Um, you never know when your hi and your smile is going to be the thing that lifts somebody up that day uh, when they're having a terrible day. And we all have them. And don't let their supposed prosperity fool you. There are just as many people driving around fancy cars like Maseratis and Bentleys and Lamborghinis who are up to their eyeballs in debt as there are people who are driving around Chevrolets and Toyotas and Fords who are up to their eyeballs in debt. So don't let that fool you. Just because somebody's got a nice suit on and drives a nice vehicle doesn't mean that they're not hurting. Um, You know, it may simply be that that's their way of trying to make themselves look good, creating a personification that helps them to get up in the morning and feel good about who they are. So we want to reach out to these people. We want to reach out to everybody. You never know who you're going to run into and what situation they're in, and you're the blessing that they needed that day. So let's look at Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the laws of the prophets. And this is good. Okay? I didn't see hate in here once. Did you? Uh Uh-uh. Not only that, do you see this? He says you walk in love. Walk in love with God, and you walk in love with your neighbor. Okay, and and uh, you're going to fulfill all the laws. You'll you'll never break a law because you're walking in love. And when you walk in love, it's hard to look at somebody and and say, I don't like that person because you're walking in love. Now, don't get me wrong. There are going to be things that happen that try to get you out of your love walk. And that's, I'll use driving a vehicle for uh, instance for me because it happens to me occasionally still. And I catch myself and my, of course my wife catches me a lot quicker. And, and, I, and immediately I'm like, forgive me Lord, bless that person. 
but I'll be driving along and somebody will do something and I'll make just, and it shouldn't. I need to be in better control with this, but it, it's something I'll just blurt out. And it's not profanity or anything like that. It, it's just, well, that was stupid. And, and uh, you know, immediately it's like, my wife will say something and I know immediately I need to apologize to the Lord for speaking about his child. That, Cause that could be his child up there in that vehicle um, about speaking about somebody that he loves that way. And so that's how easy it is to get out of your love walk or to get up in the morning and be in a bad mood. And, and you let the bad mood rule you instead of your love walk. I'm guilty of that on occasion. We all are, but the, the beauty of it is, is you know it, you don't like it. And so immediately you're wanting, you're repenting and you're asking God, forgive me for that. You know, and if you did something to your spouse or somebody and you need to ask them for forgiveness, then, you know, you're going to that person and, and apologizing and letting them know, look, that was wrong. I apologize. Forgive me. Um, I let my feelings and emotions get in the way and it was unnecessary whatever you got to, you know, whatever comes up in you to say. But if you're walking in love, you can't break the law. And I'm not talking about man's law. I'm talking about the law. It says here, the, hang on all the law of the prophets. Um, so let's move on. Last verse I want to go over is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is a good God. And without faith, you can't please him. So what's that saying? Well, when you're born again, okay, you get the measure of faith. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell in you. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you. When He comes to live in you, He brings the love of God, the agape love, with Him. And it is there inside you. So it's a gift. And faith is a gift that you receive. Glory to God. So if you are without faith, to me, that's somebody who has not truly received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you have faith. Maybe it's just really weak. And maybe you need some more time in the Word of God to build it up. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. And God is love and love is God. So remember that. Now, why did I go over these verses today? Because I wanted you to see that if you hear somebody preaching hate, that they are, are misunderstanding Scripture and they're using it in contrast to what the rest of Scripture says. Okay? Because without foreknowledge, I could look at these verses that talk about hating mother, father, wife, children, or whoever hates his brother. Um, I can look at these two, the one in Luke and the one in 1 John, and I can say, well, they contradict so much more that I see in the Word of God. And so the Word of God contradicts itself. Well, no, it doesn't. It's out of context. You have to take it in context. And you got to remember what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to tell people, look, I am the way. 
And so, and, and God's telling us, put the kingdom first so that I can put you first. But he can't put us first if we won't put him first. And so we got to remember that it's God is love. And, and, uh, that addresses what's going on out in the world today. So as Christians, as believers, we need to be working on. And, and yes, we slip. But have grace with yourself. Have patience with yourself. Don't give up. Don't quit. God saw value in you. That's why he sent his son to hang on the cross. That's why he sent his son to shed the blood, to seal the covenant that purchased you. Don't, don't look on that cheaply. Okay? You are the most expensive thing that Jesus purchased. Glory to God. And you're worth it. And so... I hope this enlightened you a little bit today. I've had fun with this. It's going to get a little bit more uh, in-depth because, like I said, there are so many versions, eight versions of the word fear, four versions of the word hate uh, in the Greek. And so it's a little bit more in-depth. I'll post a vocabulary um, and this this prelude on my blog at truepatriotministries.org slash blog. And the podcast will be on there also. So just go check it out. Look at it. Read through it. Um, and, you know, really, if you look at concordances, they're big and they're intimidating. But once you start using them on a regular basis, they're really quite simple and effective. So uh, I recommend you getting one when you're ready for it. Let's get you uh, grounded in the foundations first, grow you up, get you into it. And uh, I look forward to this. I enjoy walking with you guys on this. Um, and may the good Lord bless you. You know, we love you guys. He loves you. And like I said, he paid, a, he paid the ultimate price. And uh, that love is yours. That value, that's yours. Okay? Receive it. Receive it. If you have questions, feel free to reach out to me at our email. Reach out at truepatriotministries.org. Uh, check out the website. There is a contact page there. You can contact me that way also. And uh, so Wednesdays, Ministry Shorts. If you haven't subscribed to that yet, please do. Those are fun. Those are five minutes or less with our favorite scriptures. And then uh, every Sunday we have our full-length podcast. So I hope I answered some questions for you today. I hope, you know, I've relieved a little bit of pressure as far as discipleship goes. Um, it's something you grow into. You spend 12 years from kindergarten to 12th grade uh, getting an education so that you can prepare to go on to college or a technical school or a skill school. Um don't freak out in your, your first 12 years of learning the Word of God, okay? <laughs> Just take it in stride. Keep moving. You'll pick it up. And uh, it's been a great day. It's been great being with you guys today. So we will see you again on Wednesday for Ministry Shorts.
Take care and God bless. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you desire to speak to me every day, guiding me in spirit and in truth to obey your word and enjoy an abundant life. I thank you that you have called me your friend and that I may come boldly to the throne of grace to find help whenever I have a need in my life. Lord, your word says that when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So I draw near to you today. I seek your face, your truth, and your word for my life. I want to know you more, hear you more, and obey you more. Your word says your sheep know your voice, and we will not follow the voice of a stranger. Help me to know your voice and not be deceived by any other voice. Help me to guard my heart from the influences of this world and the people around me. Help me not to be deceived by the devil and his lies, but to view all thoughts and decisions through the lens of your righteousness. As I seek to hear you today for instruction, correction, and guidance, help me to confirm your voice through your word. You said if I ask for wisdom, you will give it to me liberally. So I am asking for wisdom in the name of Jesus to hear you clearly and consistently today and every day. Help me, Lord, to feel confident in knowing that I hear your voice. I praise you and I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.